Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confession. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowen, and Pastor Adam Osher continued their discussion on Article 26 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at an Old Testament passage and its application. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota. Whatever your vocation is, start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Adam Osier. All right, welcome back. We're on our Old Testament Bible study episode for the Augsburg Confession and Apology, um, Article 26, on the distinction of meats. Which is why today we're going to talk about bread. Yeah. Meats. And, and not, so, not Arby's. To, to make the distinction, then, to be consistent with the theme of the episode, bread is not meat. And we're done. You have a Bible verse, All right. Brett? Well, yep. There, there we go. On that um, happy note, Brett, <laughs> what do we have we for do, us today? We are looking at 1 Samuel 21, uh, verses 1 through 6, David and the holy bread, or David and the show bread. Uh, or, or if you have the early King James, yeah. the shoe David bread. and the shoe bread, shoe the Ed bread. Sullivan pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Actually, shoe today. Nice. Uh, all it's right. funny how we all yeah. knew that. And that sticks out to us. Yeah, Isn't that fun? Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. We should call it that, the shoe bread. Shoe all right. Bread. All right, I'll, I'll read Mandating the text Mandating from us. here yeah. on out. Yes. Yeah, all right. First uh, Samuel 21, 1 through 6 says, Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling, and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? And David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, what, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread, if the young men have kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest, Truly women have been kept from us as always when I go on an ex- expedition. The vessels of the young men are, are holy even when it is, it is an, an ordinary journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread there but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. Here ends the reading of God's word. Amen. Amen. Marking the only time in history where the line, shh, I'm a spy, actually worked. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I I love, there's all sorts of things going on in this passage that both makes me chuckle. And then stuff I, I never realized until you read it. Yeah, Brett. The the, the right. thing that jumped right off the page. Oh no! Uh, no, this is good. <laughs> I, I think you'll like this. He's like, truly, women have been kept from us always when I go on an expedition. Uh-huh. And what we find out, David screws up with Bathsheba in Second Samuel because he doesn't go on an expedition. An, an you expedition. know, so if he had gone out with the army huh. like he should have, Ooh, he would have yeah. been chased. Interesting. <laughs> you have to wonder if Samuel or or whoever wrote. First and Second Samuel put that in there as foreshadowing to the whole Bathsheba debacle. 
Yeah, I was just thinking when I read it, truly women have been kept from us. I was kind of like my, you know, my high school days. Yeah, I was going to say, are are we going to be turned into junior high boys with this? In the (laughs) sense in which it was meant, but also just in general, you know, just women had nothing to do with me. So Ah, I'd be good with a showbread. (laughs) I'm traveling with a bunch of dorks. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) Look at that guy over there. (laughs) Also, just just some some superficial appreciation for the town of Nantes. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta, I gotta love it. Bible names are the best. Yes, they are. <laughs> so, Brett, why did we choose this passage? Yeah, I was gonna say, yep. Yeah, so, we're, you know, we were talking about the distinction of meats, and, uh, you know, you have in this passage, you know, there's a, a need, you know, they're hungry and they're traveling, and uh, you have, there's no regular bread or common bread, uh, but you have the, the show bread or the holy bread there, and uh, the priest. Uh, let them eat it, and it, it's kind of one of those those in, instances where um, you know you have your conscience going on. You have uh, you know the the freedom of, of the gospel uh, that we've been talking about uh, here with this issue with the bread. It's interesting, yeah. The the Jews to this day think that David sinned, you know. So David, who's there, you know, they look to him as a patriarch, as a you know, as as a guy. But they think that that this was a violation of what God had commanded uh, David, and therefore David sinned and needed, you know, needed to atone for this. So it's kind of interesting. But Jesus had a different opinion, right? As you look into the New Testament, Jesus, you know. Uh, looks to this and kind of points out that it is exactly what we're talking about. It's a, mm-hmm. it's one of those. It's a wisdom thing. It's a, um, it's a. Is this tradition, you know, something that is is acceptable in this moment? What is the freedom principle here? Yeah, you know, are Christians free? And Jesus kind of speaks to that. So it's kind of nice to have Jesus as our interpreter. Yeah, yeah, you right, know he's yeah. going to do it right. It's but convenient. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Jesus does it to show that the law was given for the love of our neighbor, to show us how to love our mm-hmm. neighbor. And if the law, yeah. in fact, is preventing us from loving our neighbor, we're misunderstanding the law. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what goes in. Thinking along those lines, another comparison passage in all of this is, remember earlier under Saul's reign, Saul had forced his army to fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a as a superstitious response to mm-hmm. you know generating the favor of God and in Jonathan wandering in the wilderness finds some wild honey which uh, after reading about Samson and Shamgar and then Jonathan m- plus other passages in the Old Testament uh, my idea of ancient Israel is that it is full of pits that oxen might fall into and also just beehives everywhere. <laughs> There's a land flowing not with milk and honey, but pits and honey. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so you've got this thing where Saul forbids his army to eat, and they suffer because of it in, in, you know, on penalty of death, and then Saul has to back off when it's his son who breaks the fast and, yeah. and not anyone else. And here David is actively looking out for the well-being of the men under his care, knowing that they're in, under duress. Mm-hmm. And so the way Jesus understands this, and then Luther comments on this, that the law is given for us to love our neighbor. And that is the principle of the law. So that mm-hmm. at multiple times when Jesus is, you know, tried or evaluated by the Pharisees and the lawyers and the scribes, he gets them to summarize as, you know, love God, love neighbor. That's the outcome of the law. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes denying your neighbor a physical necessity, well, that's a very unloving thing to do. Mm-hmm. 
Do you do you know uh, off the top of your head, Jason, what the passage is? Jesus comments it was. I was Matthew just t- looking up for that. Matthew that 12, yeah. four and three five. and four. I think I, I somewhere around that up here real quick. Yeah, yeah, would you read that just for the context? Because yeah. I agree, Jason. In terms of the, and yep. you know, the law, it's an interesting thing that that David here is breaking a tradition and even a prescribed tradition. This isn't even one that's like, uh, you know, it's not like, um, you know, something that they chose to do and, you know, they they built this hedge. It's actually a prescribed thing. This is a part of the liturgical life of the tabernacle. And and we, we got a very end that what would happen is that they would break, they would bake Hot loaves, kind of like Subway. They would bake <laughs> fresh bread <laughs> only every better. day. Yeah, only, only better. better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they would they would bake fresh bread and then they would pull away the bread of the present with new bread every day. And so David got the bread that was sitting out before the Lord in the holy place. So the the the, the table of shoe bread mm-hmm. in, was in the holy place. So you had the courts where worship occurred, and then you had the holy place, and that is only where the priests would enter, and then you had the most holy place or the holy of holies in the tabernacle, and then the high priest only once a year would go in. So so Jesus brings us up in among other places in the gospel, Matthew yeah. chapter twelve, yep. talking about the the purpose of the Sabbath. And and so it's it's a great comparison. Chapter twelve, the Pharisees are indignant with Jesus and his disciples because his the disciples are gleaning uh, heads of grain. Heads of grain as they're walking through and kind of doing the, the, the thing I always get in my mind as a farm kid is kind of doing that <laughs> wheat berry gum, mm-hmm. you know, where you chew raw, raw wheat and it turns into gum. really awful tasting gum. Yes. Um, so this is basically what they're doing. And so they were working on the Sabbath in the eyes of the... Yeah. The Pharisees, and so Jesus brings up in verse three. He's like, "Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who are with him, but only for the priests." Mm-hmm. And in doing this, he he goes to the Pharisaical superstition of not doing anything on the Sabbath, which gets transported into American Christianity from people who think the Sabbath was given to go to church and watch football and not do anything else. So as long as you're <laughs> not doing anything on yeah. Sunday, you're obeying that commandment. And not only is that not how the law works, but we're also neglecting the love of our neighbor. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm curious as to the, and, and I don't know this, I should know this better than I do, the bread of the presence, what was the liturgical symbolism or point? Not sim- not that it was purely symbolic, but what did it point us to? Because we talked about traditions, right? Always pointing us, it should point us to, to God and his working. And I don't remember mm-hmm. in the, going back into the prescription of what this liturgy was supposed to be, what that, what the, or even if the scripture tells us mm-hmm. what what the bread of the presence was. Do you guys remember that? So it comes from Exodus 25. So okay. it's right at the giving of the law. And um, it said, it describes the acacia wood. Uh, the, the table is made very ornately. Um, and it, it's actually the, the focus is more on the table than the bread, but it's placing bread before the Lord. And hmm. so it, I, I think it's kind of uh, an offering thing. Uh, it's, sure. al- it's also laid out in Leviticus. Um, and let me see, that's Leviticus 24, the bread of the tabernacle. Uh, every Sabbath, Aaron should arrange it before the Lord regularly for, for the people as a covenant forever. Um, it's a food offering. So sure. it's an offering of thanks given to the Lord. So, so this would be kind of what the Lord's prayer is pointing back to. Give us this day our daily bread yeah. and then... 
uh, we're doing a first fruits of what God has offered back to him. It's interesting to me, and I'm about to engage on what I'm going to call bad hermeneutics with Pastor Osher. But Welcome what it's interesting, and this is purely the, the connection that was made in my mind. I don't think this is biblical. I think it's poor hermeneutics. But is that offering of bread before the Lord is given, right? It's interesting to me that Jesus, who is the bread of life, was the offering before the Lord, yep. right? As the and, and I don't think that that's necessarily where this text is going, but it's interesting to me in how God provides for his people in that, you know, so yes, it was being presented to the Lord as Jesus was, right? As the offering for our sin, but at the same time, he is giving us, you know, he gives us that bread to eat. And so he gives us that bread to eat, to sustain and to nourish us. And it's kind of a, a weird, not, I, I, like I said, bad, bad hermeneutics with Adam Osher, but um, <laughs> the, yeah, it's kind of interesting tie in there at least, or at least a correlation maybe. Well, we, we wanted to, we would do well to trace the theme of bread throughout scripture because Jesus does fulfill the bread of the presence. Yeah, everything it's, it's kind of like the, how we trace water and baptism. Yep. Yeah, go right. ahead. Yeah, everything in the tabernacle, every item of furniture, every liturgical purpose is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Because right. Jesus is the temple, right? And so with the bread, the first thing you have is this weird passage in John 6 where he who does not eat my flesh... Uh, you know, that passage. And, and there, there's some Lutheran debate whether or not Jesus is or isn't prefiguring communion, but what we know is it's a prefiguring of his word. And so you, you, you've got a roundabout way of connecting ourselves back to Deuteronomy. Was it Deuteronomy 8, where man shall not live by bread alone, but uh, by, on every word that comes from the mouth yeah. of God, right? And that's that pops up in the temptation accounts with Jesus and everything else. But Jesus is the true sustenance that God gives us. So in, in all of these, Jesus is the end picture of manna in the wilderness. And Jesus is the end picture of the Thanksgiving offering from harvest and, and the bread that is baked. And, and Jesus, you know, when he feeds the 5,000 and the 4,000 in scripture, he provides them with bread, mm -hmm. right? And it's the, the most basic kind of nourishing thing that God provides humanity. He was born in Beth. Lachem. Yeah, the house of bread. House uh, of bread. Yeah, yeah. yeah good. Yeah, and, and, and when Elijah is in the wilderness, he gets the the he gets bread miraculously provided for him, right? And yeah. then ultimately, then the fulfillment is in the body and blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and the bread and wine of communion. But this is where the intersect with Article Twenty Six will happen mm -hmm. for us, mm -hmm. because all of this is designed to show us that the end is Jesus and David by faith, whether or not intellectually he understands it enough or not, he understands it by faith that this isn't some superstitious off limits, mm -hmm. that I need sustenance from God for survival, which is exactly mm -hmm. what Jesus is for us. And so yeah. that, that the need that, G, that David provides for he and his soldiers is fulfilled ultimately by Jesus. And I find it interesting, though, as you read the text, right, David does not have any, you know, qualms with getting other bread. You know, he, he's, yeah. he wants any bread, but it's interesting that what was left was only the bread of the presence. So maybe my hermeneutic isn't that crazy. You might not it, be as much of a heretic as we initially yes, thought. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Right. I want that to be recorded <laughs> yeah. again. Just that, not, that's yeah. going to be my ringtone right there. Yeah. You might not be a heretic as, or as, <laughs> as much, much of a heretic, of a heretic. Yeah. as yeah, we and thought. I don't think, we, you know, I don't know if we, we have to go back and play the tape, but 
I'm not sure we talked so much about that distinction between tradition and superstition yeah. as much as we did, you know, tradition versus gospel. Well, and, and this is a perfect place to talk about it too, because in recognizing that he's going to be receiving the bread of the present, David's great desire is not to profane it. You know, the, that he submits to the regulations. He's like, yeah, no, my... my we're pure. We're, yeah. yeah, we're pure. We're not ceremonially unclean. We've taken the steps. And the priest's like, well, okay, I guess, right? <laughs> you know, and uh, the, 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 dis- the difference between uh, tradition and superstition is also the exact same distance as between tradition and throwing out tradition just because it's tradition. Hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So uh, yeah. David does not treat this, the tradition in a superstitious way where I can't touch the... We're going to all starve because there's good bread right here, but it's not tomorrow. But I ain't touching it. Yeah. 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 But it's yeah. not tomorrow. <laughs> but it's not tomorrow. It just it coincidentally happens to not be tomorrow. But at the same thing, uh, you know, part of the Reformation is Luther did not throw out tradition for tradition's sake. He does not go the way of the radical Reformation where the Calvinist ends up in uh, because... Some of the traditions of the church are good to teach, mm-hmm. to good to provide nourishment. We would use the language to be consistent with our passage. And that's yeah. the spectrum we're on here, with one end being superstition and the other end being no tradition whatsoever. Hmm. And we focused on David. We focused on David not, you know, seeing the superstition. He's understanding this. Notice Ahimelech, same thing, the priest. Yeah. He's, he's going through the same thing in his mind. It would have been easy for him as the priest to be that, quote unquote, you know, kind of the, the legalistic, right? Yeah, the, he's like, yeah. well, there's a Carl's Jr. 30, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 30 miles down in the next exit of the freeway. I, if you guys can make it, that's probably your best bet. Yeah, because I can't give you this. This stuff is like, you know, special. Yeah, he doesn't do that. He he gives, you know, so he, he what you just described about David, Ahimelech's doing the same thing. Sure. He's recognizing the wisdom principle in it. The, the, I, I feel like I'm writing some sort of a cheesy, uh, you know, self-help Christian book, right? The, the wisdom principle. But the whole idea of it's wisdom. It's does this make the most sense of our uh, of our circumstance right now, what's the most loving thing to do, uh, and it, what is what is the best thing to do? Mm-hmm. You know, what what is the purpose? Look, what what the purpose is? Does it point me to faith, or does it point me to myself? All of those things go into play. Does it point me to faith? Does it point me to myself? Does it help my ha- neighbor, or does it harm my neighbor? Mm-hmm. Right, right. And and we're not saying here, just to be clear, yeah. we are not saying that. Uh, affirming or acquiescing to your neighbor's demands every time is the loving thing to do. But when it comes to starvation versus not starvation, surely providing nourishment is the loving thing to do, right? So all of these things are at play in this thing. And and David Mm -hmm. checks his conscience. Ahimelech checks his conscience. And they, like you said, they move forward in wisdom knowing that this is a necessary thing. Right. Now, what would that look like in our churches? Mm-hmm. You know, yes. Recognizing that we have a practice yep. that is related, well, directly say, tied we, to Scripture. Do we, do we have uh, an example of this in our... Yeah, it would be interesting to... Well, okay, so probably the best example would be if we're in a situation where someone was starving and literally the only food we had was communion wafers. I was going to go thirsty in <laughs> baptismal water, but, yeah, you know. You know uh, I, yeah. I don't think I'd have a problem with that either. But, yeah. but you know, that, uh, Lutherans are very serious about the consecration of the elements yeah. and the disposal or the storage of the elements. Right. And, and this would be a thing, right? Now, 
you know, most Lutheran churches aren't using actual unleavened bread. We're using communion wafers, and I'm not. I, I honestly have no idea about the nutritional properties of communion. Wafers, I wonder how many you something. have to eat to be full. Well, not uh, you or me, but like <laughs> the somebody person. like Brett, uh, who's a little. But you know, you know but <laughs> we <spelt>. could. <laughs> we could. You know, we could do this in a not crass way, right? There yeah. would be. A, there would be. A, you know, a way now. If if I had a loaf of bread in my office, which my office happens to be in the old parsonage of the church, so I have my own kitchen at church and things, I would surely give a hungry person that bread before I would give them a communion wafer. But if in whatever remarkable circumstance that happens, (laughs) literally all I have are communion wafers, and literally that is the only thing standing between this person and certain starvation. Then yeah. I would feed them communion wafers, right? That's kind of the equivalent to how that would look okay. today. Yeah. Now, in the extreme, it's just it just ends up being a way that we analyze tradition. Okay, so I, I think Adam's paradigm here works really well for us. Is this pointing me to God or mm-hmm. to, to Christ? Or to myself? Is this helping my neighbor or harming my neighbor? It's interesting, too. If you break that down, remember from, I think it was last week, maybe it was a couple weeks ago, we talked about the nature of tradition and the gospel. When you made me choose, that was like two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, I remember right, that. Yeah. So choose, your yeah. <laughs> choose my own adventure with Jason episode. Choose my own adventure with Jason episode. The, no, w- tradition of the gospel or yeah. tradition of the commands, right? Yeah. Or the law, yeah. right? The tradition, you know, how does that work? And so the, the gospel, you know, does it, does it point us to Christ or not? And it's interesting how that paradigm is, and then goes into the law, really love for neighbor is, does it, lo- does it help me love my neighbor or does it, harm me in loving my neighbor does this tradition and it's interesting because the law does that so you got both sections of the christian life there you've got the assurance of salvation and that does it you know does the tradition point me to jesus and then does it point me you know to love my neighbor and my vocations it's tradition should serve that should serve the christian life in both of those areas yeah and that's and that's you know going all the way back through all of our episodes talking about uh you know, our vocations, serving our, you know, that's a great question of vocation, you know, flowing from the freedom that is one for us in Christ. And, uh, and that, and it plays out in this, in this, uh, this way here. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for listening and tune in next week for our New Testament episode. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please consider attending Christmas at the Free Lutheran Bible College, December 2nd through the 4th, featuring performances by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary Choirs, as well as a symphonic wind ensemble. Register for free or find live stream information at flbc.edu slash Christmas. God bless you and have a great week.